an end. When I say the word blessed or blessed, especially in the Old Testament context, give me another word that comes to mind. When the Bible says blessed, it also means, because it's also translated this way in the Old Testament, say it out loud, happy. Happy is the man. Blessed is the man. Psalm chapter 1, who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of sinners, sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but he's delighted in the law of the Lord. Happy is the man. Blessed is the man. Uh, in, in the United States of America, especially in our, in our uh, Americanized uh, culture, one of the things that we're looking for is happiness, right? Uh, and it's for sale every day of the week. If you don't believe me, then listen to the radio, watch television, read a billboard. Everybody's trying to sell you happiness. No one's trying to sell you misery, right? Everybody's trying to sell you happiness. Uh, that's what they want. And if you do this, if you buy this product, if you drink this thing, if you wear this shoe, uh, whatever, you'll be happy. You'll be happy. You'll be happy. And uh, God's going to give us some keys to being that blessed, happy person right here in Psalm 32. We're going to read through the entire psalm. Uh, it's only 11 verses. And then we'll go back and kind of fill in some blanks in our understanding of it. Blessed, it says, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the draught of summer, Salah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid, I said. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Salah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Salah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. And that is the 32nd Psalm, in which God gives us a couple of verses that start out with the word blessed. Somebody tell me real quickly again, I'll put you to the test today. What's Salah mean? Stop, pause, and ponder. It means stop and think about this for a minute. Just don't read past it real quickly, but stop. And twice in there, God says, stop, stop, and let it sink in. Let what I just said to you sink in and mean something. So uh, this is an important psalm. God's trying to give us a lot of things. We're going to take a look at it. First of all, let's take a look at this blessed, happy person. How is it that God wants us to find this happiness that he has for us? First, he says, in, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And it starts right there with the gospel and with salvation. It starts as Christians, as keeping our relationship right with the Lord. But let's start with the gospel. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, happiness will elude you forever until you get this taken care of. The person who is happy is the person who has this relationship with God dealt with, whose transgression is forgiven, whose iniquity is covered, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
so that when God looks at me, I know that I'm still a sinner. I know that I still do things that I shouldn't do. I confessed as much to you last Sunday morning with my toll road thing. And by the way, I don't know who was the very nice person, but somebody uh, helped me pay for that toll. I don't know who you were, but uh, on my desk or on my chair in my office was a note. Unsigned, Pastor, this will help with the toll and you can take your wife out to dinner. Well, I haven't taken my wife out to dinner yet. I'm going to. But uh, we got that, so I appreciate that. That was very gracious of somebody sitting out there. And uh, anyway, so you know that I'm not always perfect, but here's what I know. My happiness isn't dependent upon whether or not I reacted or properly to the toll guy. My happiness is based on whether or not my relationship with the Lord is right, and that is based on having my sin debt paid. Blessed, happy is the man whose transgression is forgiven, and whose iniquity is covered. So let me ask you first this morning, do you know Christ your Savior? I mean, if you were to die today, do you know you would go to heaven not because you're a good person, not because you've been baptized, not because you belong to a Baptist church, not because you come from nice parents, not because you drive a nice car, but because your transgression has been forgiven and your iniquity has been covered in the righteousness of Christ through his death on the cross. Well, that's the, that's the beginning of happiness. But then as Christians, it's a continuous. In 1 John chapter 1, we are told in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is not the confession of salvation. This is to Christian people. Read the book of 1 John. It's written to Christian people. And in fact, John declares over in chapter 5 his whole purpose for writing the book. He says, these things have we written unto you to believe in the name of the Son of God, Christians, that you may know that you have eternal life. That eternal security concept is there in 1 John. That's why God gave it to us. So 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 is not written to, about getting saved. It is written about staying right with God as Christians. How is that concept earlier in the chapter, in, chapter five, in verse 5, where it says, uh, if we have fellowship with him, why? Because we walk in the light as he is in the light. And it's that daily walk. What's your daily walk like, Christian? You want to be happy? You want to know the joy that comes with being a Christian? Blessed, happy is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose iniquity is covered. Deal with your sin in a godly fashion. Either trust Christ your Savior and become a Christian, or as a Christian, confess your sin and get things right with the Lord. Look at verse 2. Blessed, happy, is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. What a wonderful statement. Hey, listen, I've been saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the Bible declares that I have been sealed with his Holy Spirit of promise unto that day of redemption. I am kept, the Bible says, by the power of God unto the day of salvation. So the idea is that I am not, this is not about what I do, whether or not I get to go to heaven. It's about what he did, and I've trusted his death on the cross to be the payment for my sins. Now, because of that, no iniquity ever sticks to your pastor. Now, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that. But when God looks at me, he looks at me filtered through the blood of Jesus Christ, and he sees only the righteousness of Christ. That's the only way I get to heaven. I have to be, otherwise I come short of the glory of God, right? All of sin comes short of the glory of God. If I come short, I don't get to go. The only way I can not come short of the glory of God 
is to have somebody else's righteousness imputed to me because it can't be my own. I've already messed it up. It's the righteousness of Christ. And now, no sin debt sticks to me anymore. When God sees me, I've been imputed with righteousness, and no sin is imputed unto me. What a blessing. And this is the key to our happiness. And in whose spirit there is no guile. And that's, that concept of guile is pretending, that fake aspect. There are some, maybe sitting right here, who are pretending your faith. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, that there will be a day in which many men will stand before God and say, Lord, did we not do this and that in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name do many marvelous works? And the Bible says that God will look at them and say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I, what does it it say? Never knew you. Now listen, it does not say, I knew you and then forgot. It does not say, I used to know you, now I don't know you anymore. No, that's not the way this works. It says, He's getting a bottle, don't worry. It's just little Braxton reminding us he's here. That's all it took. Stand up. There you go. It's not so bad when it's the little ones. It's when it's the big ones. Like, well, will pastor ever stop? No, I'm not going to stop yet. <laughs> We're not done yet, all right? So let's, th- let's keep going. So, but there will be a day when someone will say, didn't we do this and that and that? Because they're thinking that, they're, that their salvation is based upon them. And God looks at them and says, I never knew you. It's not that they lost their salvation. They never had it. I never knew you. And that person who's pretending, that person who is living out a life of phony, fake Christianity in whom there is guile, that person is going to be in trouble that day. And there's no happiness for that person. In fact, if you're that person right here, right now, the guilt that is coming down upon you right now is driving you nuts. You know that it's not real. What's that old song? I hate when I come up with a song like, it's real, it's real, oh, I know it's real. Praise God, the doubts are settled, for I know, I know it's real. Do you know it's real? That's, there's no guile. That's, that's where that happiness is going to come from. Let's take a look at then at verse 3. That's the happy man. That happy man. Sin debt taken care of. That happy man. Right relation with God taken care of. That happy man. He's not pretending to be a good Christian. He is living out the life that God is empowering him to live. But take, there's another group of people. Let's take a look at verse 3. This is that man who's not happy. Men who aren't happy, what do we call them? Don't say unhappy. What do we call them? Say it again. Stick in the mud, right? I wouldn't have called them that, but you can call them stick in the mud. Miserable, grumpy, bitter, angry, keep filling in the blank. That's this person right here. How do you get to be that person? Since that's our big goal in life, right? I just want to be a crotchety old man. Uh, And that becomes, no, nobody's trying to sell you that, right? But here's how you become that. Take a look at verse 3. When I kept silence. Now, that keeping silence is not just meaning that I did not say anything. It's keeping silence in my relationship to God. Keep this in context. In verses 1 and 2, this is about whether or not my relationship to God is right. But when I kept silence, take a look at this, verse 3. My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For night, day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the draught of summer, Salah. This is what it looked like, looks like when you and I decide not to deal with our sin. 
No, instead of dealing with our sin and becoming the person God would have us to be, that meaning we trust Christ as our Savior or we repent and get things right with God so that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. When we refuse to do that, then what begins to happen is that the weight of conviction and guilt and all of the things that go with it begins to play upon us. And in fact, if you would look at this, you can see that every aspect of this person's being is affected. Their bones wax old. I mean, it literally is affecting them physically. Am I, is this new to you that guilt will affect you physically? Have you heard this a thousand times over? Do you know it's biblical? It is biblical. You know, the psychologist is right. When you choose to carry around guilt rather than deal with it, then that guilt will literally impact your physical well-being so that your bones are waxed old. I mean, have you ever seen someone just literally grow old before their time? Sin has an impact on people. And when you and I choose to stay silent rather than getting things right with God, we begin to feel the effects even physically. But it's not just physical. There's a mental aspect spoken of here. There's that spiritual aspect spoken of. This person is drying out from the inside out. The moisture is zapped from them. The, you know, they're, they're literally just losing all life because they're choosing instead to carry around a load of guilt. Happy is the man who deals with the sin. Miserable is the man who chooses to ignore the Spirit of God and instead to carry around a load of guilt and try to carry their sin around with them. Want a life of misery? Then don't deal with sin. Want a life of misery? Then ignore the gospel and reject Christ as your Savior. And if you're a saved person, ignore the Holy Spirit of God prodding you to get things right with him. And instead, just keep carrying around your sin. This is what will happen. You say, well, Pastor, I, that's the way it is, and I'm still pretty happy. Just hang on. Give it some time. God's word is true 100% of the time. And there will come a time in which your bones are waxing old. And the guilt that you're carrying around will begin to affect every aspect of your life. It's not worth it. Happy is the man who deals with the sin. Miserable is a man who chooses to carry it around. How does then a miserable man become a happy man? Well, the Bible's going to keep telling us. Let's just keep reading. Take a look at verse 5. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sins. Stop and think about that for a moment. Pause and ponder. It's a lot. This is the way a miserable man becomes a happy man. Deal with your sin. Confess your sin unto the Lord. You know why I can talk like I'm an expert on this subject? Can anybody guess? <laughs> I am an expert on it. There have been periods of my life in which I've walked around as the miserable man, carrying around the weight of my sin. And I would like to say that that was long before I became your pastor. But then I would be lying and be brought right back under that uh, misery. Right? I'm just like you, you know, we all struggle with these. And there have been times I have just dug in my heels and said, I am not going to get this right with you. And the weight, the burden begins to come up on my heart. And it begins to dry me out from the inside out. 
There's no more life left in my Christianity. It's, it's cold and indifferent. And how do I get out of that? I acknowledge my sin before the Lord, and I confess my sin before the Lord. And you know what I, found, what I find? The same thing here as I find in the New Testament. When I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Take a look at verse 5 again. It says, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sins. Stop and think about how good God is. See, what we have is a God who wants us to be happy. He does. He wants it so desperately that he's taken time again and again and again to spell it out for us. Here's how you be a happy Christian. Deal with sin in your life. Quit hiding from it. Take a look at verse 6. It says, For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee at a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Now listen, this is what happens. That miserable man says, I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of being dried out. I'm tired of having nothing coming from my Christian walk. I confess my sin, and here's what he finds. Not just a God who forgives him of his sin, but a God who then gets him through everything that he has to face. The floods, no matter how difficult it becomes in a time of trouble, this is the God who's going to be standing with him. And not only that, but that God becomes his hiding place and his refuge, a very present help in time of need. This is what he finds. Not only does he no longer have the misery of the guilt that he's carrying, but he has the joy of knowing God in a brand new way. Or maybe knowing God again in a brand new way. This is what it brings. This is what, how that miserable man becomes a happy man. He follows. So then, let's keep going. Because you need to see some other things that are here. Take a look at uh, verse 9. Or verse, let's go back to verse 8, I'm sorry. I will instruct thee and teach thee the way. Now, something happens in verse 8. Can you, can you pick up on it? Something changed from verses 1 through 7 to verse 8. What changed? God started talking. Do you see that? Verses 1 through 7 is the author telling us, you know, this is how it's done. In verse 8, God starts speaking. I will instruct thee. And what it really shows, folks, is this unique change in what happens to our relationship with the Lord. When sin was a problem, there was a barrier. But now, having acknowledged the sin, there's an openness. Now we're walking in the light, and God is speaking directly. And he says, I will instruct thee. God's going to step in and do some things. So once we get things right with God, this is what God does. I instruct and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Then God gives a warning. God gives a warning. I love this. Don't be a horse. Then he says, or a mule. Wow, can he get any more insulting? You know, I know there's some other words you might plug in there for that mule, and that's exactly what God's saying. Read it. He is simply saying, don't be stubborn and dig your heels in like a horse who has to be forced to go a certain direction by putting a bit in his mouth. Hello, Christian. Do you hear this? One of the keys to maintaining this happiness that God has given to us, how do we get happy and then stay happy? 
is to not be so stubborn. That's what God says. Don't be a horse who says, I'm not going to go that direction unless you make me. God wants to instruct us and to guide us with his eye. That's what God wants to do. He wants us to willingly follow him. And how often are you and I like the mule? And we dig in our heels. You can't make me. Well, first of all, can God make us? Yes. Now, here's the flip side of that. God often won't make us. Because what he wants is for us to be instructed by his eye or guided by his eye. He doesn't want to force us. There's an, uh, an old song based on a Bible story uh, that's called, um, it's called uh, the Honeybee Song or something like that. Anybody know the song I'm talking about? Here's what the chorus says. He will not force us to go against our will, but he just makes us willing to go. You ever heard that song? And here's the story. It's the Bible story, by the way. There was a group of men in the Bible. God said, go that way. They said, no, we want to go that way. God says, no, I want you to go that way. They said, no, we want to go that way. And we're going to go that way. So they start going that way. And they ran into this swarm of bees. And the bees chased them that way. <laughs> you get the idea? God doesn't force us to go against our will, but sometimes he does help us to become willing. Right? Sure, you want to go that way? Go ahead. You're just going to have to fight the bees to do it. Or... You know, and this is the God that we have. What he wants is for us to quit digging our heels in. You know, here's the thing. Why are we so resistant about cooperating with a God who wants me to be happy? Right? This is what God wants for me. I want you to be happy. Everything I have for you is because I know the plans, the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts of peace. God wants us to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is what God wants. And yet... When that same God says, now here's the direction I want you to go, we, we're like, I don't want to go that way. And we dig in our heels. That doesn't make any sense. And God says, if you want to maintain this happiness that I have for you, once you've gotten things right with me, then don't all of a sudden become a horse and dig in your heels. And he puts this warning out there. Let's keep going. In verse uh, 9, be not as a horse or a mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in a bit and a bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass about him. Now this is what God has in store. When I choose to allow God to bring me his happiness, I avoid many sorrows, and instead I start finding out how wonderful it is to be compassed about by the mercies of the Lord. And take a look at verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. Shout for joy. Do you see a theme in verse 11? Glad, rejoice, joy. All of those are a result of you and I dealing with our sins. That's what God wants for us. So here's my question. Are you a happy man today? Or are you miserable? Are you carrying around the weight and the guilt of your sin, digging your heels in, daring God to try to make you go his direction? Or do you know the glad, rejoicing joy that the Lord offers? That's the question. Heads bowed, eyes closed.